Welcome to Our Stories. I'm your host, Josh Awin. I'll be discussing with my guests stories about what makes them Jewish. We'll dive into their bonds to Judaism and what they hope to pass on to the next generation. Regardless of denomination, gender, or geography, I hope to highlight the commonality between us all through these episodes. Thank you for joining me for these stories, Our Stories. Your name, sir? I'm David Jordan Harris. Good to see you. We're here in Minneapolis. I uh, wanted to touch base and just kind of get uh, some of your, your moments of, of Jewish identity. So the, the big question, the first question is, is when your very, very earliest moment that you recognized that, that you were Jewish or this was something Jewish, whether it's as a kid or whether it's, you know, being with your grandparents or a Shabbat dinner or maybe a mm-hmm. high holiday? Is there a, a moment that you instantly remember, like, this is what being Jewish is? Well, I had an uncanny um, sense of being Jewish from a very early age, which my brother and sister did not share. Both my parents are Jewish, but I came from an assimilated um, Jewish background, like many American Jews of my generation. But right from the get-go, I had a very profound sense that I was Jewish and I loved it. So uh, I used to bill myself as the only Jewish boy in America who liked Sunday school. Um, I remember my parents loved to tell the story of me sitting in the back seat with a friend of mine who was not Jewish and we were going somewhere and I they overheard me asking this kid, I was probably five or six, um, are you Jewish? And um, the boy said, no, I'm not. I said, that's okay. Not everybody gets to be Jewish. Uh, (laughs) So you you get the picture that for reasons that I don't completely understand, I had a very strong connection with um, with that identity. The identity of being Jewish. Yes, and my parents uh, uh, supported me in that, but were a little bemused by it. and so that that was a very early memory All for right. me. And that was driving in the car. You yes, in the just, back seat. Yeah. I think I was five or six. And it was from, are you from Minneapolis? No, I was from Canton, Ohio. Wow. Is there a big Jewish community? No, there isn't. Wow. There were about 3,000 Jews in Canton. Okay. There are about 1,000 now. Wow. But um, Interesting. Yeah, the small communities actually develop uh, that sense of Jewishness more strongly than you would think just because they are such a minority. Sure. Interesting. So then did you have a, did you go to like a Jewish day school or did you go to a secular school? I went to a secular school um, and uh, but went to a Sunday school as as I alluded to yeah. and actually that Sunday school was fantastic. You know, it was run by professionals who had had big time educations, were passionate about conveying Uh, Jewish life and Jewish history to those students, most of whom who couldn't have cared less, Mm -hmm. but I cared enormously. Yeah. Who was your favorite teacher? Um, Actually, the rabbi. Okay. The rabbi who didn't teach any of the individual classes, but was just an amazing man. And there he was in Canton, Ohio, um, living living his Jewish life with great passion and and conviction. It was a very cerebral... um, uh, intellectual form of Judaism um, that was being conveyed okay. at that period of time, uh, but I connected with it. Yeah, what did you connect with deeply? What is there like, a, like the prayers or just the? I was very bookish, okay. and um, 
uh, Judaism always does well when it comes to uh, bookish learning. Okay. Now, as my life progressed, and I realized that the arts are where I would be spending my life, mm-hmm. it became a much more diverse um, engagement with Judaism um, that went well beyond its books, but it was a good starting place for me, and I loved it. I loved learning Hebrew. Yeah. I loved learning Jewish history. Uh, I just loved it. Wow. Do you read Hebrew, or do you speak it as well? Um, I would say I, I can bump along in Hebrew. Yeah. I wouldn't describe myself as a fluent speaker of Hebrew, and I can read it well enough for its content. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, so you are in Canton, Ohio, and then you mm-hmm. kind of get to those adolescent years, those fun adolescent mm-hmm. years where you're, you don't, you're being told a lot of who you are, but then is there a moment in time in, in adolescence or maybe before you leave home and go to college or you're just kind of on the cusp of leaving the nest that you say, okay, this is another moment that I'm identifying now again with, with being Jewish? Well, uh, like so many other adolescent Jews, actually, uh, there was a steep drop-off after my bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture didn't support it, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents were, were much more interested in my secular education. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say, actually, in my college years, um, there was an unexpected boost because I, I was already a very passionate singer. Okay. That That's my principal uh, performing um, medium. Mm-hmm. And I had the great good fortune of singing at the High Holidays in the professional quartet at Max Janowski's synagogue in Chicago. So Max Janowski was one of the preeminent Jewish composers of the 20th century. Wow. I didn't know who he was. My dumb luck. But it made a big impression on me. And so that was uh, a way for me to begin to attach myself to the flow of Jewish music history. Wow. So following that, I moved to the Twin Cities. I went to school in Chicago, University of Chicago. I moved to the Twin Cities um, knowing that the arts were my passion. This is where I would make my life, you know, with the kind of enthusiasm and idealism that only a 21-year-old can have. Definitely. But one of my very earliest singing jobs was at Adath Yashurin is their bass soloist. And this laid the groundwork, although I didn't know it at the time, for what would be my really deep commitment to um, the Jewish community through the arts. Okay. Is there a certain style of Jewish singing that you're drawn to more than others? I know that you've like you have like a worldly knowledge of of singing. Is there do you like Sephardic singing? Do you like Ashkenazic singing? Do you like is there a certain type of Jewish singing that you like more than others or that you're drawn to? Well, I became uh, deeply connected and passionate about uh, Sephardic music. Mm-hmm. Um, founded an ensemble, Voices of Sfarad, toured all over the world with this ensemble and uh, had the really good fortune of being in the right place at the right time. I did field work um, in North Africa, throughout Europe, and in the Middle East, wow. gathering songs, meeting Sfardim. Um, and what I didn't realize is, is that I was collecting music and collecting stories from probably the last generation of Sfardim um, who experienced Jewish life prior to the impact of the Holocaust. Um, so what set you on that? What set you on the path to the Svardim? Mm-hmm. Uh, just 
it, it was an uncanny uh, relationship with the music. It began with the music. Mm-hmm. I, I just had this relationship with the music that I couldn't explain. And colleagues of mine said to me when they heard me sing it, you must continue doing this. Um, when you sing this, I hear something entirely different from you. Um, and so it was something that visceral, um, actually non-intellectual, yeah. that drove me in that direction. And that was 30 years ago. So it's been a lifetime pursuit of mine. Now, having said that, I also, parallel to that, developed a life as a cantorial soloist. And I've worked for many, many synagogues, principally Shir Tikva in Mm -hmm. Minneapolis for 21 years. Um, But now I uh, go into other communities um, at the High Holidays in particular, and that is principally Ashkenazic-based um, chazanut, yep. and that also touches me deeply. Very nice. Um, music touches me deeply, yeah. and uh, even though I still have that um, uh, bookish approach to Judaism, it's taken a back seat to um, a more uh, full-bodied approach yeah. to being a Jew. Interesting. So then is there, uh, as you say, like, to being a Jew, is there a, a, an idea or a moment that as an adult you're, you've made your triumphant you know, run up to Minnesota and you're here to, to spread mm-hmm. the word? Is there something in Minnesota or, or at, after that chapter that maybe into your adulthood, maybe into working with Ramon, into this part of your, your life that you've really kind of, that helped you identify as, as a Jew now-ish in, in, in this part of your life? Well, um, in my 40s, I became acquainted with this fledgling organization. It was only three months old at that point, called Ramon. Um, And it was an attempt uh, for artists to have a larger voice at the table of the organized Jewish community life, because the Jewish community loves the arts, but they tend to marginalize them. It's something that is good for entertainment or enhancement, you know, bringing something beautiful. But please go sit down now. We're talking about serious things. Um, And I wanted to change that. I want to be part of a a movement that changed that. I never envisioned that I would take on the the leadership role and that Ramon would take on the national leadership role that it has. And that has become, in some ways... Uh, my legacy to the Jewish community. It was a give back on my part. How could I help other artists in the way that I was helped or in ways that I wasn't helped? Um, So visual artists, uh, performing artists, literary artists, um, people working in film and new media, the whole spectrum, uh, Ramon uh, serves them and also creates relationships between them and the larger Jewish community and non-Jewish community yeah. as well. This turns out to be, I think, my legacy, and it came only in my middle age, in my middle years. Never envisioned this um, as being my destiny. Is there a way that you run Ramon? Is there like, is there like a guiding Jewish principle that you that are maybe Jewish, maybe non? Is there a guiding principle? that you run this this organization with? Well, there are many guiding principles, but one is, is that um, the arts uh, matter enormously for a well-lived life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we can pretend that um, reading a book is sufficient for understanding something, but there are many, many ways of encountering the world, for understanding the world that we live in, and the arts offer these amazing tools, whether it's a filmmaker, a visual artist, a musician, that touch us, that touch a soul within us, that books can only approach, that the... um, left part of our brain can only walk up to, that the arts rush across that that line and make us more alive as human beings, as Jews. And I think one of the reasons why the arts are as full-bodied as they are right now in Jewish life is there was awareness that American Jewish life was seriously lacking, mm. that, it, that it was a dry, disconnected experience People would go to the synagogue out of a sense of obligation, but they weren't having experiences that touched them deeply, that changed who they were the other six days of the week. Mm -hmm. And I always say Ramon is a a seven-day-a-week experience, um, the six days and Shabbat. Nice. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit as well in this idea that Ramon is your legacy. Is Is there a way that you are directly connecting with the next generation to be passing down an, an idea of Judaism or to leave something Jewish behind. I mean, obviously, Ramon mm-hmm. is a wonderful organization right. and you've done an amazing job with it. it is, is Can you maybe speak to that a little bit more or is there a specific event that you're trying to like pass it on to the next group of people? Thank you for asking that question because I'm very... Um, involved at this moment with just that population. So Ramon right now has two different programs running that address um, Jewish teens. One is the Karen Orr um, Creative Arts Contest that we run that um, has participants uh, from Reform, Conservative, Orthodox, Reconstructionist, and non-affiliated backgrounds. I mean, you are rarely in a room where members of all of those groups yeah. are in are in the same conversation. Karen Orr does that. Um, this year we were just announcing the winners. Um, in fact in, in tomorrow's American Jewish World you'll see the insert um, highlighting the twenty uh, teens who wow. won awards. There were 61 participants this year representing 15 schools, 13 synagogues. It's quite an amazing phenomenon. And it's just local to Minneapolis and, and, or is that a national competition? Um, nope. It's, it's um, the metro area and slightly beyond. Okay. We do have participating teens who are outside the metro area, but it's principally the metro area. And you may say, well, what's Jewish about that other than the fact that Um, These are all Jewish teens. What we're trying to do is, first of all, affirm that the arts count, that they matter, that we support them, um, and we're creating community. Many of these teen artists don't know each other, Mm -hmm. and it's a way for them to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. It's a way of um, opening up a space that didn't exist, telling their parents that the fact that your um, daughter is a terrific writer Mm -hmm. actually matters Mm -hmm. that um, volleyball or soccer or lacrosse aren't the only um, extracurricular activities. In fact, this is a key part of their education. So number one, that's Karen Orr, and Mm -hmm. I'm you know, deeply involved in that right now. Ramon right now is also launching a brand new um, program. It's called the Young Artist Mentorship Program, which we um, identify um, several 
highly talented um, Jewish teens in the Twin Cities, and we match them up with a professional artist educator, and they will work intensively with that individual through the summer. Um, it's brand new. This is the pilot um, uh, year for it. I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Again, the same way in which we take scientifically gifted students and give them resources yeah. that say, this matters. You've got a gift. Let's take it to the next level. We're doing that with young artists. Amazing. It's awesome. And is there, when did you stumble upon this and say, there isn't this out there? We need to right. do this for, for these kids and for the next generation. Was there a moment that you had that said, you know what? We need to change this. There's not a, a way to prop up kids who are, let's make Karen or a bigger thing. Let's make more uh, resources available to these younger kids? There have been many moments, but one of them is often at the Karen Orr Awards Ceremony. I get to finally meet these teens mm-hmm. um, because uh, I often only am relating to them uh, by uh, the internet mm-hmm. or on their submissions. Um, and I would hear remarks like, this is so great. You know, they don't teach writing in my school anymore. Um, this, is to, this is just something I like to do on the side. And my heart is breaking mm-hmm. when I hear those words, that these fundamental activities of what it means to be an educated, um, connected human being, these things aren't being taught in the schools anymore. And I thought, darn it all, Ramon um, is going to provide resources mm-hmm against all odds, Mm -hmm. that are no longer being offered, um, that we're affirming that creative writing counts. Writing a poem is like the best use of your afternoon. Are you seeing the kids come to the program? Are you seeing participants coming? So what what we see is um, we see... uh, students who come back to us year after year after year, whether they win or not, Mm -hmm. just because somebody wants to hear them. Mm -hmm. It's a voice they have that often is not being listened to. Mm -hmm. Because you can relate to this in high school. Um, What are the things that anybody cares about? What you look like, who your friends are. Right. Yeah. The team. Yeah. And this is saying, hey, there are... I like to read poetry, too. Mm -hmm. I like to write um, uh, short stories as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Read mine. Are those being published anywhere? So um, tomorrow, uh, the the insert in the American Jewish world is uh, all of these winners um, will have their photographs, their poems, and their short stories published. In addition to that... You can see them all at the Karen Orr website, KarenOrrContest.org. Okay. Those are up there permanently. And in the uh, uh, lobby gallery at the Sabus JCC, for five weeks, the uh, winning images, the photos, will be up for uh, view. Perfect. Um, May 6th through June 10th, as a matter of fact. We'll be there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for sharing your insight. Really interesting stories and thank you very much for participating with pleasure Josh